Now this morning, I would like to continue the uh, series of uh, the, the Sermon of the Mount series that we are now in chapter 6 of the series. And the Sermon of the Mount, it is the perhaps one of the greatest sermons being preached by Jesus. One of the greatest sermons that has been quoted again and again in many prayers throughout the world, throughout the century. And today, we are going to talk about Matthew chapter 6, verses uh, 5 to 13, whereby Jesus is teaching about the Lord's prayer. Now, prayer is an integral part of our work with God. And as such, there are many, many prayers in the Bible. Apostle Paul recorded many prayers in the book of Philippians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 3, Colossians chapter 1. And also, Apostle, Paul, uh, Apostle John, in the book of John, the entire chapter 17 records the prayer of Jesus. And also in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, it is a book of a prayer full of petition, full of intercessions. And it is full of the ranges of emotion, of crying out to God, appealing to God, and also believing in God. So if you really want to take seriously on learning on how to pray, read the book of Psalms. Pray the book of Psalms. But today, we're going to look at the teaching of Jesus about the Lord's Prayer. And let's look at the scripture that we're going to uh, cover today. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 13. It says here, When you pray, do not, like be, uh, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues, and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then, your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Next. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Now, as I read this passage, I, have, I, I, I could almost hear that you are reading together with me when we recite the Lord's Prayer. In whatever version that you are reading, some of you recited from New King James Version, some of you recited from NIV Version, but whatever it is, I'm glad that you are able to recite the Lord's Prayer. Now, last Sunday, you heard the three pillars of Jewish piety when Pastor Nick Lim preached about giving. Now, there are three pillars of piety. It is not an official teaching from the Bible, but it is a practice in the Jewish community. The three pillars are giving, which is act of charity, prayer, and fasting. And it is no surprise, and in the first 18 verses of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about these three pieties. And in these 18 verses, Jesus continued to teach about these three uh, uh, topics side by side, one after another. Last week, Pastor Nick preached about giving the act of charity. Today, I'll be talking about prayer. And next Sunday, Pastor Jesse is going to talk about fasting. But among these three topics, Jesus began with this one very sentence. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. The very beginning of Matthew chapter 6, it says here, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets to be honoured by others. Now, that is the opening word of Jesus in the book of Matthew chapter 6. That is regarding giving, act of charity. And when Jesus starts to talk about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, it says here, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, 
for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And after teaching about prayer, Jesus went on to talk about fasting. And when he talked about fasting, this is how he began his teaching. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Now, here Jesus is warning his listeners not to be hypocrite when they practice giving prayer or fasting. Now, I think we need to understand who are the hypocrites that Jesus are referring here in the Bible. It is not someone who is striving after holiness but ending up failing completely. It's not someone who is trying to be like Christ but is imperfect. A lot of time we will label a religious person to be who, who is genuinely wanting to live a godly life, but we, he seems to fail in some area of life. And we are quickly, lab, uh, quickly uh, uh, we are very quick to call or label that someone as hypocrites. That person is just an imperfect person who is struggling to follow Christ but fail and fail in public. Jesus is not talking about someone who strives, who wants to be holy before the Lord, but fail because of human weakness. Or fail because they fail to learn the mistakes that they do. Jesus is talking about someone who is rotten from the inside, but wants to look good from the outside. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus rebuked the teacher of the law and the Pharisee because they are whitewashed tombs. They look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, in the inside, it is full of bones, of dead bones, and everything which is unclean. So in the same way, hypocrites are those who are outsidely and outwardly, they appear to be righteous, but inside, they are full of duplicity, insincerity, and bigotry. So these are the uh, hypocrites that Jesus are referring to, not those who are eager to follow Jesus, wanting to be holy, but fail to do so. Now, why did Jesus want us not to pray like the hypocrites? One reason is because those who pray like the hypocrites, Jesus is warning so that when we pray, we do not pray to be seen by men. When Jesus speaks about this, Jesus is speaking about those who want to pray and let others see their prayer life hear their prayer voices in order to appear spiritual, successful, and powerful in their prayer. They want to display their pride of being able to pray and being able to pray so well, so effectively. Now, some would pretend, but most hypocrites, they are convinced themselves, they convince themselves that their method, when they pray, their voices, when they pray, when they lift up their hand, lift up their head, when they pray in public, they are really convinced that they are able, they are righteous, and their prayer because of their righteousness, their prayer because of what they do, their prayer because they pray so loud, the method that they use, that God will listen. But the content of their prayer and the content of their life, it does not match. There is no consistency and coherence between what they pray and how they live. In Bahasa, in Malay, it's called cakap tak serupa bikin. Doa tak serupa bikin. It means that what you pray or what you do doesn't match your action. And when you ask why, why your prayer doesn't match your life, you'll be amazed of all the excuses, explanation that will baffle your logic. Hypocrites, they are very convinced that God will listen to them because of their righteousness. So they seek honor for their own pride. They seek pride in the manner of their prayer, in how they pray rather than seeking God. And Jesus said that these hypocrites, they like to stand in synagogues or go to the open street to pray. It's like they would like to go to Jalan Bukit Bintang. Jalan Alo, Jalan Pangsa. Stand there and everyone can see them pray. Everyone can see how righteous they are. 
Now, we are talking about intersections and roads where there's a lot of people who can see you. It's not like standing in Jalan Sayo, you know, Jalan Landa. Some of you don't even know where is Jalan Sayo. Ah. Jalan Sayo is where our church is located. Some, some of you, you don't even know where our church is located. But I'm glad that you know how to make your way here. Right? Now, it's not like this hypocrite would stand in Jalan Sayo or Jalan Landa and pray. Now, let me qualify this church. There's nothing wrong about going to public places and pray. But if the purpose behind this kind of public prayer is to be seen by people in hope to receive honor, in hope that people will see that you are doing something spiritual, then Jesus says, you have already received your reward. Such a person is not seeking God. He or she is seeking honor for himself. He or she is seeking attention for the wonderful ability that the person can do. The flowery prayer that the person can utter. So Jesus says, do not pray like this kind of people. And with that, Jesus says, this is how you should pray. So the, the first point of my sermon today is this, the manner of prayer. The manner of prayer. Number one, pray in secret. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, I want to highlight something important and something interesting here. Jesus taught us that when we pray, we ought to close the door and pray in secret. I want to point out that there is a difference between praying in secret and pray secretly. Although in English grammar, it sounds the same, but I want to make a distinction here. When you pray secretly, it means that you deliberately hide your action of prayer. You deliberately go away and try to hide from people that you are praying. That you do not want people to know that you're praying. That no one should know that you're praying. That when you pray, you just hide. You hope that no one sees or hears you pray. And when people ask, are you praying? You will say, ah, no, no, I'm not praying, I'm not praying. That is praying secretly. But when you pray in secret, it's a totally different thing. It means that you will still pray. You won't purposely or deliberately hide your prayer. But if people sees and ask you, you will say, yes, I'm praying. But your prayer is not for people to see. But at the same time, you will not display it for people. You will not get attention for prayer, but you will still pray. Whether people know or not, you will still pray. Whether you have done in public or private, you will still pray. Praying in secret. The difference here is the motive of the heart, although the outward action may seem the same. So it's more about the attitude behind the prayer rather than act of prayer. You see, Jesus is not condemning or forbidding public prayer. In fact, Jesus prayed in public place many, many times. So, praying secretly is not the idea of hiding your prayer from being heard or seen by others where people cannot know that you are praying. So, we need to know that what Jesus says when He says, pray in secret. He's not against people who pray publicly. Jesus is against those who want to display their ability to pray, showcase their ability to pray, tell people that this is the method of prayer. You should do this and God will listen to you. Do this and God will listen to you. It's not about method, although there's nothing wrong with method. Jesus is asking us, pray in spirit. Now, it's okay to pray together. Even though this verse says, pray in secret, it doesn't mean that you must pray alone, privately, no one can see you. Yes, there are time for that. But it's also okay to pray together, to hear each other pray. Because there are times that we need to hear one another in prayer that it will become an encouragement for each one of us. 
And at times, I already mentioned that it is okay to pray alone by yourself because there are times that you need some private space to pray between you and God. So there are times to pray alone together and there are times to pray alone by yourself. Jesus is not forbidding or discouraging prayer in public. Jesus is also not saying that you must hide your prayer from other people. It says that there's no need to deliberately hide your prayer or deliberately showcase your prayer. It's all about the attitude of prayer. So, are you praying for people to see your ability to show that, yes, I am praying or to show that you are spiritually mature, spiritually powerful? Are you praying to convince yourself that you are spiritual? Those are not the motives of prayer. God says, if you are praying, pray in secret. Go to God directly, regardless of whether people see you or not. Regardless of how people see you, regardless of the circumstances, go to God between you and God, your motive, and also your heart. Go to God in secret. That's the manner of prayer. Secondly, do not keep on babbling. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they would be heard because of their many words. Now, why would someone keep on babbling in prayer? The simple answer is this. The person who keeps on babbling wants to prolong the time of prayer so that people can hear them pray. They repeat the prayer again and again and again. Now, during the time of the Jews, during the time of Jesus, when they pray, they do not pray like us, whereby we can just say anything that comes to our mind. It's not just a, it is not a conversational prayer that we pray according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Jewish have a few sets of prayer. A few sets of prayer to repeat again and again and again. They recite the Jewish prayer of again and again and again. It is meaningful if you do it with your heart. But there are times that people use the same set of prayer to pray again and again in the public so that people will know, wow, this person is so spiritual that he is able to pray such long hours. He is able to memorize so many prayers. But what he did was just repeating the same prayer again and again and again. Imagine... As a pastor, I stand here every Sunday repeating the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I repeat it 20 times. And therefore, it fulfills the half an hour prayer time. Does this seem spiritual? Wow, this, prayer, this pastor can pray for half an hour. This pastor knows his Bible words. He can recite all the Bible words. Yes, as a pastor, I can throw out all the prayer left and right. But is that meaningful? Jesus says, do not use thoughtless repetition, meaningless reiteration to showcase your ability and your spiritual power. Jesus is not prohibiting us to repeat our prayer. Let me qualify this. You can repeat your prayer, but do not repeat your prayer meaninglessly in order to prolong your prayer. Whereby, when you prolong, you just want to give people that you are spiritual, to get the impression that you are spiritual. And sometimes, we think that when we are babbling, God will listen. As if that we need to repeat it to God many times, so that God will understand and God will get what you say. Jesus says no. But also take in mind, I want to qualify this again. It doesn't mean that we cannot persist in prayer, church. We must persist in prayer. Luke chapter 11 is a parable about a friend who knocks on the neighbor's door asking for a bread. And because he kept persisting, the neighbor responded. And the parable of the widow who go to the wicked judge and keep on pleading to the wicked judge, then the persistence pay off. See, Jesus says that this is how we should approach prayer, with persistence, continually approaching God. 
But in this case, we are not persisting by repeating thoughtless, mindless repetition. Don't come to God to repeat meaningless prayer. But we persist in asking God and says, God, we pray. We persist on to pray for COVID to end. We persist on to pray for a righteous day to come to Malaysia. We persist on to pray so that God's kingdom will come. We persist on. But in the content of our prayer, we don't babble. We don't repeat and repeat mindlessly. Just to prolong the prayer, just to let people see our method and our spirituality. That is not the case, Jesus says. So when you pray, do not repeat or babble. And number three, Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, it says that, when you pray, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. When we pray, we need to know that the Father knows. Now, Jesus says, do not be like them. Jesus warns us, do not, like, do not be like the hypocrisy of the Pharisee. Now, it's not to say that he, the Pharisees are all wrong. They are good Pharisees in Jesus' time. And it is good to be a Pharisee. But so happened that there are many Pharisees who are hypocritical. There are many bad apples. But Pharisees are good. Apostle Paul is one of the Pharisees. So when Jesus says, do not be like them, it doesn't mean that Jesus is condemning all Pharisees. Jesus is saying that do not be like the hypocrisy of the Pharisee. That they pray in public with the intention to show their spirituality and their ability to prayer, to score some brownie points, to look spiritual. They keep on babbling. Having said that, Bible says, do not be like them. Know that your Father in heaven knows what you want even before you ask. Now, I want to clarify something here. As a pastor, I, I have this perception that my prayer as a pastor is more powerful. That our Father in Heaven will listen to my prayer more. My prayer is more effective, more powerful because I'm a pastor. Now, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, today, I want to clarify that there's no difference between my prayer and your prayer. If you think that my prayer is more powerful, it also implies that God has favoritism, you know. God has more favoritism for my prayer because I'm pastor? No. Just because I'm a pastor, it does not mean that my prayer is more powerful than yours. It doesn't mean that more, my prayer is more effective than yours. It only means that I lock in more hours of prayer than you, lah. It means that perhaps I have more knowledge and experience about prayer than you. But other than that, my prayer and your prayer is the same. It doesn't mean that I'm more spiritual and therefore God will listen to my prayer. With that in mind, let me encourage you. Let's start praying. Whether personally or publicly together. Don't be shy to pray together. Don't feel intimidated when you join a prayer whereby someone can pray so powerfully, so fluently, and yet you can only say one or two words of prayer. It's okay if you join a prayer whereby you can just say one or two words. God listens to your heart. God listens to your heart. And as time goes by, you will develop more and more words to say because you are praying to God with your heart. Continue to pray. Don't be discouraged. Don't be too busy to pray. God wants us to pray, but to pray in a manner that is acceptable to Him. So even before we pray, God knows what we need. You see, you might ask God and say, God, since you know what we are going to ask in advance, why then you ask us to pray? Why then is there a need to pray? Now, one important thing we need to understand is this. When we pray, it's not to tell God an information that God do not know. When we pray to God about our needs, uh, 
It's not to come to God telling God we need healing, we need finance, we need relationship being restored, we need to pray for world peace, as if the God do not know what is happening in your life. God is sovereign. He knows. So our prayer is not to give God information so that God can do something about it. Our prayer is about worship. Our prayer is about developing and honouring relationship with God. It's about, to, it's about continuing a relationship with God in a communion, in a spiritual communion called prayer. It's about relating to God so that God, His will, His purposes will be done in us. Even though God knows what you need before you pray, come to Him in prayer. God wants the relationship. Focus on the giver, not the gift. Focus on our Father, not just our finance or our needs. That is what God wants. And number four, the manner of our prayer. God wants us to develop a heart of the Father. Take note, Whenever you read this Sermon of the Mount about prayer, in a short few verses, verses 5 to 13 in Matthew chapter 6, four times the word, your father, your father, your father, your father, it appears in these verses. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, when you pray, go into the room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees you, who done it in secret, will reward you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 68, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then in uh, verse, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 10, our Father in heaven. You see, church, the center of our prayer, the focus of our prayer is not just our need. It's not just about relationship. It's about God the Father. Our prayer life is first and foremost to develop a continual fellowship with the Father without the need to be seen as spiritual. If it is done in this manner whereby we continually draw near to God, that is what it means to be praying in secret. To be fully aware that God is sovereign. God is mighty. It is a life whereby we walk with God, having the awareness of our Father in the morning, in the afternoon, at night, when we have fear, when we have anxiety, when we are happy, when we are sad, when we are busy, when we are free. We are aware of the presence of God. We are aware that God has never left us nor forsaken us. We are aware that God is in us and working through us. That is the focus on the Father. Without the need to recognize, to be recognized that we are spiritual. And therefore, prayer life is first and foremost about our Father. And here, Jesus says, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Your Father. Jesus is not telling you not to ask. Jesus is saying that focus on your Father, not what you ask. What you ask, yes, God will give. What you ask, yes, is important. But more important than your need, focus on your Father. Your Father knows what you need. The focus is about your Father. Not so much of what we pray, how we pray. So, this is the manner on how we should pray. We pray in secret. We do not keep on babbling, but we keep on persisting. Know that the fathers know. Don't come to God to tell Him information. Come to God to honour Him because He knows. He cares. And number four, focus on the Father. It's not just to come to God, just to do your duty as a Christian just to lock in the hour every day for prayer. No, it's not that. It's to focus on our Father. So prayer is about developing and honouring relationship with God. 
to be praying in secret, meaning that when you pray, it's not about hiding your prayer or letting people know. It's okay if people know. It's okay if people do not know. But it's all about you and the Father, whereby you will honour the Father, you will focus on the Father. And with this understanding, Jesus proceeded to teach what we call the Lord's Prayer. And my second point is this. The Father of the prayer. The Father of the prayer. Right now, let's proceed to the second part of Jesus' teaching of the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you study the Lord's Prayer, you'll find that it has an effect on the big picture of life and also the very mundane, nitty-gritty details of your life as well. So, the Lord's Prayer is very true to life in that sense. Life is a combination of spectacular and simple things. In almost everyone's life, there is exciting things, they are mundane things. They are fantastic things, they are familiar things. They are extraordinary things in your life, they are also ordinary things in your life. That's the way of life, would you agree? But if you look at life that way, you will find that the Lord's prayer is also the same. You will notice that there are two parts in the Lord's Prayer. The first part is from verses 9 to 10, and there are three petitions. And the second part is from verses 11 to 13, and there's another three petitions. So let's look at the first three petitions. It says, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, in these three petitions, we are asking God to bring in these three things. Number one, we ask God to cause His name, to cause His name to be hallowed, to cause His kingdom to come, to cause His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then the second part is to ask God, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I hope that you can feel the difference here. The difference between these two halves. The first three petitions is about God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. The last three petitions is about our food, our forgiveness, and our holiness. The first three calls attention to God's greatness. The last three calls attention to our own needs. So the two halves has, have very different feel. The first half feels majestic, lofty. The last half feels mundane, daily. But I want you to see that there is a corresponding between the content of this prayer and the content of our life. As I mentioned, the big and the little, the glorious and the common, the majestic and the mundane, the lofty and the lowly. When we talk about the father of prayer, the first thing I would like to hand, uh, stress is this. Prayer for glorious eternity. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says this. God has made everything beautiful in His time. He has set eternity in the heart of human. Yet, no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Now, these words in the Old Testament tell us that God has set wonderful eternal things in our heart, in your heart and in my heart right now. But yet, through the ordinary, daily, mundane experiences of our life, it has kept us from seeing this wonderful, marvelous, eternal work of God. Why? Because we focus on our daily needs and we fail to see God's will. God's wonderful things. And this is what the Lord's Prayer calls us into. To know and to focus on the eternity of God, the glory of God, and at the same time, the ordinary of life. Both the glorious and the ordinary interwoven together. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 10, it says here, Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. 
our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This means that we ask God's great and mighty name to be honoured, to be revered, to be esteemed, to be treasured by everyone, not just by Christian, by everyone, everywhere, not just here in Pudu, but everywhere. But most importantly, our heart, that we personally would hallow God's name. We will want to make God's name holy. And then verse 10 says, Your kingdom come. Here we pray that God's glorious sovereign rule to be efficacious in power, in influence, and to be effective without any obstruction in the entire world. But most importantly, in our heart, that our heart will have God's kingdom, the rule and reign of God in our heart. And also in verse 10, it says, your will be done on earth as it is heaven. Here we pray that God's all-wise, all-good, all-just, all-holy will to be done all over the world as well as in our heart. And that will to be done perfectly, joyfully in heaven as also on earth. So this is the amazing first part of the prayer. I hope that you catch the majestic of it, the glory of it. And when you pray, when you pray this secretly, meaning that when you really take seriously praying to God and says, God, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven as well as in my heart, as well as in my life. That is the secret place that God wants us to come into. He wants our life to be enlarged and rich and expanded when we pray the Lord's Prayer. And all this can happen when we seriously start the journey of prayer. I hope that when you hear this message, it will inspire you, encourage you to start the journey of prayer. Never be too busy to pray, whether together or personally. Secondly, after looking at the glorious eternal prayer, let's look at the prayer for our everyday life. Jesus wants us to feel the fatherhood of God and the readiness of God to answer our prayer. The second part, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11 to 13, it says, Give us this day our daily bread. Here we are praying to God and says, God, we are not asking for bountiful riches. We are not asking to become billionaire or luxury. We are asking for our daily needs, sufficient enough to give life. We are asking God to give us a holistic, wholesome, healthy life that our body, mind, and soul will be healthy. And ask God, God, would you give me a body and a mind that's productive, that's able to work, that's able to worship and to acknowledge that God is our provider. He is our giver. That is the posture of acknowledging God and our dependency on God. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Here we pray and says, God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. How many of us, we come to God with a heart of repentance every day to acknowledge that there are flaws in us, there are weaknesses in us, there are character and attitude that is not pleasing to God. That God, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of the grace of God. I need God every day. I cannot save myself. I need your forgiveness so that I will be forgiven. I will be taken off the burden of guilt and shame or else I could not go on in my life. And with the same forgiveness I receive, the same grace and mercy I receive, I will give on to others. I will forgive others. I will reconcile with others as God, you have forgiven me. I know that I don't deserve this forgiveness. But at the same time, I also give forgiveness for those who don't deserve it. I know I have no right to ask God for forgiveness. But at the same time, I will give 
forgiveness for those who have no right to it. Forgive our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. We are asking God, God have mercy upon us. God have mercy upon us. Give us the freedom in our life as we are free from the bondage of sin. To acknowledge our sinfulness to God. To acknowledge that we need God's daily forgiveness. And then, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. We are telling God, God, I don't want to go on sinning. Yes, I repent, but I don't want to go on sinning. I'm thankful for God, for your forgiveness, but I do not want to offend your holiness again and again. Therefore, we ask God, please do not lead us into the entanglement, the testing, the trial, and the temptation of the devil. Help me to go against the devil. Guard me from Satan, from all his works, from all his way, from all his deceitfulness. Guard my heart above all. This is to acknowledge that even though we are very clever, resourceful, that we are independent, we still come humbly before God because it's a spiritual struggle. It's a battle in the spiritual realm, not against flesh and blood, but against the principality of evil. And then we pray that God will lead us not into temptation and keep us safe from the evil one. So that is the earthly part of prayer. The daily mundane struggle of our Christian life. That we need food, we need forgiveness, we need protection from evil. But when we pray our prayer or petition to God, notice that the very beginning, in verse 9, in 10, the very beginning, Jesus says, this is how we should pray. And Jesus started by, our Father, who is in heaven. Our Father, who is in heaven. By this alone, I can preach another two hours sermon. Our Father, I can preach another point. Who is in heaven, which is another big point. I will leave it to another day. But I want to stress this. Our Father, who is in heaven. First, God is our Father. Second, He is infinitely high above and glorious in heaven. His fatherhood corresponds to His power to meet our need. He's not just a God. He's our Father. He's not just a good Father. He's a great Father with the ability far above all that we could ever ask or imagine to listen to our prayer and to answer our prayer. And that is the significance when we talk about our Father who is in heaven. Such a powerful word when we pray. When you read the Lord's Prayer, when you recite the Lord's Prayer, get that glorious fatherhood in our heart. Our Father who are in heaven. I hope that you catch that. The heavenly correspondence of God in our lives. Feel the fatherhood. Feel God's expression of readiness, willingness, eagerness to provide for you to answer your prayer. And He is the King on the throne. He is the Lord of all the universe. Majestic and merciful and He's telling us that He will hear our prayer. Even though He's high and above, He also dwells in the heart of those who are humble and contrite. Even though He's a king, He's a father. Even though He's holy, He humbled Himself to come to us. Even though He's far above, but yet He's ever ready to come to us. He has His plan for the entire world. He has His plan from beginning to the end of, the, uh, of time. He has a plan for every single thing in life. But at the same time, He cares for us individually also. He has planned also for your personal life. 
In all this, God wants us to come to Him in a manner of prayer. And so, I would like to call your attention that when Jesus teaches about the Lord's Prayer, focus on the Father. Our Father. First and foremost, the Lord's Prayer is to focus on the Father. The Father who is in heaven, who majestically and sovereignly far above everything in heaven. His name to be hallowed. His name to be honoured. His will be done. His kingdom come in my heart, in this community, in this nation, in this world. And based on this majestic fatherhood that we pray all our prayer needs, give us our daily bread, forgive our sin, deliver us from evil. That our need is centred upon fatherhood. God the Father. My hope, my health, my holiness is all based on our Father who is in heaven. The majestic God, the powerful God, the great and mighty God. But not just only our Father who is in heaven, the next thing, the next word, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now, nowadays, our modern English, we do not use this word, hallowed be your name anymore. It's an old English. If you, knew, if, if you read a newer translation of the Bible, it says, honoured be your name. We give honour to your name. But the word hallowed carry more than just honouring. It means that God, it's not just about me wishing that your name is to be honoured. It's not a wish. It's not just a declaration. It's not just to say it because it's a religious thing to say. Hallowed be your name means that God full wholeheartedly that I would really, really want to see that your name to be honoured. But not just honoured by anyone or anything that I myself would want to honour your name and I want your name to be honoured by others also so that your name, which is, who is worthy, is being honoured. Now, it's not because we want to make God's name more honoured than before. Because God's name is already glorious. God's name tremble the Satan. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of God, we cast out demons. God's name is so, so glorious, so, so powerful that God says don't use His name in vain. We want that name to be honoured, to be hallowed. We are not wishing it to be more honoured. As if that is not honoured enough. It is already glorious. But we want that glorious name to be honoured that we flow together with that glorious name. Hallowed be your name. And that is the attitude of prayer together with God. Coming to the Father. It means that we long for God's glorious name from eternity to eternity. His name, so glorious to be exalted. That is what it means by honoured God's name. To be reverenced, to be lifted high, to be esteemed, to be admired, to be valued, to be treasured by us. And we will do all things to protect God's name. We will do all things to exalt God's name. We will do everything to surrender to His name, to sacrifice for His name. Hallowed be thy name. That is how majestic it is to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Just this verse, if you get this verse, the rest of it, the rest of it, God's will, God's purposes, our daily bread, our, uh, our forgiveness, the temp lead us not uh, into temptation, all these five other petitions, contribute 
to this honoring, hallowing of God's name. And that is the sum of it. Our Father in heaven. In life, you may be overwhelmed and, 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 and being pressured by many matters. You have your physical problem. Give us, they say, our bloody bread. You have relational and mental problem. Forgive us of our sin. We have moral problem. Lead us not into temptation. But what I want you to see is this. We have a father. A father who is in heaven. Which name, his name, is far above all things. And God is a greater father than all the father on earth. His fatherhood means that He cares for us, regardless of how big or how small our problem is. His fatherhood tells us that He wants us to relate to Him in prayer, to come to Him in prayer, even though God knows before we pray that God will meet our need. He is far able to answer us even before we ask. And that is the approach to God. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Today, I hope that you will ask God to make you to be part of that believer, the people of faith who would hallowed God's name, who would honor His great and mighty names. This morning, as we come to Him, let me encourage you. As we hear and learn about prayer, it's not just about the method of prayer. It's not just about the mundane of prayer. It's not just about practicing and, 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 and logging in some hours every day to pray. Those are good. Those are spiritual discipline, yes. But far beyond that, at the very core of it, always remember, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. When we hallowed God's name, we pray for God's will. We pray for His kingdom. We pray for our daily bread. We pray for our forgiveness. We pray that God will lead us not in temptation. And therefore, in conclusion, let me ask you this. Prayer is not just for us to display our spirituality. Prayer is not for us to be Spiritual is not to convince, convince us that we have done our duty as a believer. But it is to pray in secret. Whether people know or not, we will pray and hallow God's name. In our prayer, that we will want God to be in us. And I hope today, the manner of prayer and the father of prayer will inspire you to pray personally, corporately together, prayer meeting together, or private prayer in your own time. Above all, hallowed God's name. Pray in the secret. Be aware of God morning, night, and noon. In your fear of COVID, hallowed God's name. In your finance, hallowed God's name. In your health, hallowed God's name. In your study, hallowed God's name. In your relationship, in your decision, in your doubts, in your fear, in your anxiety, hallowed God's name. This morning, I would like to ask those who are with me here in the hall, let's stand and let's respond to God with this song, a very familiar song. And as we sing this song, let us respond to the message that we have heard. I'll pass this time to your question. Let's sing it out. What a friend we have.
trials and temptations If there's trouble anywhere We should never be discouraged Take it to the Lord in Let's pray. Father Lord, today as we come before you, we thank you because you have taught us how to relate to you as a father in heaven. No other religion 
have this honor and privilege to call their God as Father. And what a privilege and honor to have you as our Father in heaven. But it's not just any Father, but a majestic, lovely, merciful, powerful God as our Father. Even though you are our friend, that we will not discount the fact that you are also a king. And therefore, Father Lord, we ask that everything that we have heard today, that you will help us to reinforce the attitude, the manner, and to focus on the Father of all. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.